0: For happy days
1: For amazing ways
0: For people who care
1: For people who dare
0: For great opportunities For amazing communities For a hand up, not a handout, For you For me For everybody
1: Forever Manchester Let's do something extraordinary
0: Join the movement, forevermanchester.com
1: with me now is an actress by the name of Julie Hesmond-Alsch and Julie
0: pronunciations very well done
1: was that good? that is very good have people had a problem with that? In oh the
0: past? yeah always yeah. why do you think that is? I don't know I don't know it's a really really common name in, in like Lancashire East Lancashire where I'm from right. but people always think it's exotic and like I don't know Scandinavian or something and, and, and like add something to it that doesn't need to be added you just say the G H as if it's an S H that's all you do
1: well it's interesting because I was chatting to my boss about and he said I bet it's Lancastrian heritage it
0: is. It is. And I,
1: I, I think I I it's got a tinge of I said I, I think it's got a tinge of German
0: no that's what everyone thinks but no it's 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 pure Lancastrian in fact had, we've treated ourselves as a family to DNA tests for Christmas like you know you have these ancestry um sets yeah. where you can find out exactly where you're from from your DNA so did I mean I know we don't all need to do it my kids probably don't need to do it but they were very determined to do it as well so yeah so I'm, I'm quite fascinated but I, I've got a feeling that I might be Probably a little bit of Irish, but pretty much Lancashire running through my veins, I think. But I'd, I'd love for it to be something a bit more exotic, but I doubt it. <laughs> Brilliant. Julie
1: hesmond welcome to Forever Manchester Meet. Thank you very much. Uh, that was a strange introduction, but we'll go <laughs> Sorry, with
0: it. so it's just kicked right off, didn't we? We'll <laughs> just
1: go with it. Let's take you back. So you're from Accrington.
0: Accrington,
1: yeah. And As in Stanley. And that's where the football club... That is the football the Do reasons. you support them?
0: I certainly do, yeah. They're doing very well at the moment. Yeah, they're doing brilliantly, yeah. Very yeah. good. Do you go and watch no, them? No, I don't. Because so, I don't live in Aki anymore. I live on no. the other side. So are you a football... Are you a sports... Not massively, not massively. I grew up. My family are Rovers fans. My husband's a city fan. Uh My dad was very much into sort of Lancashire league cricket. So I spent a lot of my childhood like knocking around behind like banks of chairs at scratty cricket ground, not scratty, beautiful, beautifully kept <laughs> cricket ground around <laughs> East Lancashire. And there's actually a memorial bench for him at his favourite one, which is um, Church and Ozzletwistle uh, cricket ground. Brilliant. So yeah, because that was his place to go. Beautiful scenery there.
1: And I didn't notice that you only really went to started taking any interest in acting stroke drama seriously when you were about 18. So let's take you back pre that.
0: Well yeah, no I mean I was, I did love doing it. I was was very very lucky. Um, I uh, I went to state schools in Accrington I went to Heming Park and Moorhead High School and at both those schools I had teachers who were into drama and who encouraged me because it weren't in my family at all I think I think some on some side of my dad's family there's a bit of music hall but, but not that I ever knew of or had right. access to so it was just one of those things where like with many people you've got a great teacher who just sees something in a pupil and who just encourages it and I mean how many people's stories have started with that you know there's so many amazing teachers Have started people off on journeys. And then I went to um, Accrington and Rosendale College, which is an FE college, and uh, had a really inspirational teacher there (laughs) who um, used to be an actor, and he basically just taught us all that it was for us, that it was for the likes of us, and that if we wanted to do it, we should go for it and audition for drama schools, which we all did. Loads of us got in. So at my really fancy pants like London drama school, which I went to when I was 18, there were five of us from Accrington there at
1: the same time really
0: which is pretty disproportionate Well, yeah
1: (laughs) but it's a great result for Accrington
0: amazing amazing and that that was just at my drama school there were ones at all different top drama schools all over the country so it's you know and it's down to this one man not just teaching us brilliantly but also teaching us that it was a a possibility for us that is something that we could that we could follow our dreams really
1: that it was a dream that could be reached yeah
0: and also you know bless Lancashire County Council I had to go to Preston and do my audition speeches for somebody in an office at Town Hall there and they gave me a full grant and a full maintenance grant and so I was able to go you know those were the the good old days of full grants to go to go to drama school because it didn't you know it wasn't a university so you didn't get it funded naturally So so I was really really lucky I was kind of state-sponsored, really.
1: What primary school did you go to?
0: Heimber Park Primary School. Highman I was Par- there only a few weeks ago, actually. I revisited, they've got a little forest school that's just opened there, so I went back and uh, and opened that for him, and it's just lovely to Have go. Have
1: you got on. loads of memories of that?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, loads of memories of it. What's your standout
1: really memory down? from primary school?
0: Probably doing Nativity, actually. Really? Yeah, I remember being cast as Little Red Riding Hood in the Nativity, which I knew was wrong even then, and being really, really cross about it, and standing like me into to me and poor mummy who were in the audience, just going like, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why, why am I in the Nativity? I shouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, well, what am I doing here? But, um, but yeah, lovely, lovely teachers there. Um, Mrs Mulderig was a teacher who set me on that track and really recently well it's a few years ago now because time goes so quickly don't you forget I think about five years ago now just about when I was leaving Corrie um, I got awarded the freedom of the borough of Accrington a heimbin, which is the borough name for it and, um, and I, I don't really know what that means I was going to say I'm, what does that mean? well it basically means that I can drive my pigs up the main road and nobody Can stop me so that is really really cool but um, in real terms I don't really know what it means but it was a great honour and this poor man had organised it for me and I kept changing date because of availability and stuff not knowing what an amazing evening he'd set up we were like this is your life so they had people talking about me they had clips they had four kids from Imbren Park reading reciting off by heart a letter that my dad had written to school thanking them after I'd left it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And Mrs Mulderig, this teacher, who I hadn't seen in donkey's years, was there, as was Martin Cosgriff, the wonderful teacher. And I hadn't seen him in the audience. They just, like, popped up and it was like, it was, like, proper, this is your life stuff. So and was it was so for you? Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, would... All my family came. It was like... And I've got a little medal and a certificate, so I'm very, very proud of that. So, Have you yeah.
1: always done acting? What was your first job?
0: Um... Well, my first professional job. You did just your first, first
1: job after you after you came out of education. Oh, I was did. Did a... you go to college, Well, university? I went
0: straight to drama school. This drama school where there were five of us there. Um, and I did... Uh, when I left, um, I didn't get an agent straight away. So a group of us with another really, really inspirational teacher set up a theatre company. Well, it had been set up and we built a theatre under a block of flats in Paddington. We wrote to every famous people we could think of. Right Got thousands of pounds sent to us unbelievably and we built it with our hands we built a theatre in this like basement right and for three years we put on plays there, all unpaid so i was signing on and um going to the door office saying well i'm getting all this experience and i'm getting all this you know and i'm writing to people to come and see me and they were like they were just like that's absolutely fine yeah it was kind of me apprenticeship really and then i got an agent while i was there And the first paid job I did was a Catherine Cookson miniseries, which you can still catch on UK Gold quite often, called The Dwelling Place. Yeah. So that's a uh, so that was an amazing massive break for me because it was like a it was a supporting role but it was a nice. Have work.
1: you ever had to hold anything? Have you ever had to take jobs like in supermarkets and things to hold mm-hmm. to, to make ends meet? Oh, up? I've
0: done loads of that. I've done loads of jobs like that. Yeah, I'm, I've done loads of bar work, cleaning. Um, I worked in a PR company for a little while. I did. Uh, I was a, a street cleaner right. for one summer. Yeah.
1: Really? Yeah. What I for was, a local authority?
0: Yeah, for Wembley. Nice and I lived one. up there. Yeah, so I've done I've done my share of uh, of all jobs, but I've been very very lucky that for well probably for a year before Corrie and then beyond I've I've never had to do anything else apart from this which is why I know I'm I'm really aware of what a privilege that is.
1: Talk me through the process of getting a gig like Corrie and I know you've probably been asked this a million Billion well, times. Well,
0: it's so weird because it's like completely different to what it is now. You know, my husband writes Corrie now, and it's a, it's a very different setup there now. But for me, it was probably the easiest job I ever got. Really? So I, uh, oh yeah, I mean, like I'd, I'd go for week long auditions for like little touring, you know, edu- TIE t- shows in schools, and, uh, and for Corrie, they just called me in paid for my train fare to get up from London to go for it, which is like another thing of the past. Um, I went in, met Judy Afield, who's the casting director, who told me what the part was, said, come back next week and meet the producer. Went away, because she was checking with me that it was alright, because, you know, for your listeners who don't know, I can't believe that there would be anyone who wouldn't know this, but the character that I auditioned for and then Ultimately, played for 16 years was Hayley Cropper, who was um, the first transgender character in a soap opera. In, in the world, probably. In the world, probably. I may- might not have been in the world. Brazil might have got there. I'm not quite sure about that, but definitely in this country.
1: <laughs> yeah, Brazil. Yeah, yeah maybe. Okay. You've maybe. Watch Brazil. I don't know. I'm
0: just like guessing that that might have been the case before <laughs> anyone writes in. Um, so, yeah, so I went and uh, met the producer and read a few lines and I left thinking, well, he didn't seem very bothered. And then by the time I got to, back to my digs in London, um, I didn't have a mobile phone then, That's it was like 1997. I didn't have a page or anything. I got back to my house in London that I shared with my mate, Joe, who'd also been from Accrington and also Lambda with me. And he opened the door with a bottle of cheap fizz and went, you've got the job. They've rung up while you're on your way.
1: Corey. Yeah. That's well, like I, uh, number one in the charts, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, especially if you're from Accrington, especially from if you're from up here. So, yeah, so that was it. That was the beginning of this amazing... And it was only supposed to be a short-term job. Yeah. Not, never in my head, but, um, but they extended it and st- extended it. And then after... Well, after 15 years, I just decided to call it a day because... Why? Well do you know I I never ever thought I'd leave I never thought I'd leave I never planned to and a a lot of people were very annoyed at me because I'd said to them when they'd first come into the show I will be here forever I'll be here on the 100th anniversary because I was there for the 40th and the 50th I'll be here for the 100th they'll carry me out of here in a box I was really happy there but while I was there in my final stretch of time there I'd been coasting for a bit, you know, just bobbing in and out. You know, you you can do that with People, What people remember is the big splash of the first storyline when I went into it and the big splash when I left, you know, because of the assisted suicide storyline and the pancreatic cancer. But in between, there's many, many years of me just pottering around, just sewing knickers, you know. Yeah, sat in the the factory. Sat in the factory. Picking knickers, as we all do, because we can't actually use the machines. And, um, (laughs) yeah, so I... um, I took some time off to do a play so I had got involved with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation which um, I don't know whether your listeners know much about but Sophie Lancaster was a young woman who was attacked in a parking in up near to where I grew up um, with her boyfriend by a group of young teenagers because of the way she was dressed she was a goth, her and her boyfriend and mm-hmm. um, they Rob survived but Sophie subsequently died from her injuries and her mum Sylvia Lancaster set up an incredible organisation in her memory called um, the Sophie Lancaster Foundation which is about educating people about alternative cultures but also about changing the hate crime legislation to include alternative cultures like punk and goth because you'd be amazed at how many people are attacked Mm -hmm. in the street violently just because of the way they look so um, I'd got already a little bit involved with them and then a radio play came out that interspersed interviews with Sylvia with pieces of poetry by the poet Simon Armitage read by an actor pretending to be Sophie, it was beautiful and um, they decided to do it on stage at the Royal Exchange in the studio and Sylvia wanted me to play her which was a massive honour. If it hadn't been that I don't think I would have taken time off work because my kids were like young teens and not even actually and I if I were taking any time off, it would be to spend with them. So it was only because Sylvia had wanted me to play her, and what a massive honour that was that I, I decided to do that. So I took this time off, did the play at the Royal Exchange. It was an incredible experience. You know the, the effect it had on the audiences and the the way that people responded to it. It really was an incredible experience and and I think it was during that that I started to think, oh I hope this is something that I want to do more of. Doing other things, telling other stories, being part of other projects. So I sat with it for a long time. I didn't rush into anything. I talked to everybody I knew and loved about it and really thought about it. And then in the new year, pretty much decided.
1: So did they know your friends and your family and people that you shared that with did did, did they know that you were fishing for change or were you just like gauging their, what they thought I was
0: gauging what they thought and I really honestly thought that they tried to talk me out of it. I thought that pretty much everybody would be like you know you you're in your 40s that's not a good time to be an actress in this world you know everyone knows that and you've got a safe gig you've got a safe gig that you love that you're really happy at you've always said that you'll be there forever you're 20 minutes from home you know i live out in countryside in like near glossop and i can get out train every morning go to work come on brilliant 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 all that and i thought that everybody would like throw that at me and i was ready for that do you know what i mean Absolutely not at all. Not a single person did that. Everybody went, yeah, you're an actor, go on, go and be an actor. And I was like, oh, OK. So Even my mum. Do you know what I thought? My mum, my mum was like, if that's what you want to do, you've always done what you wanted to do, just go and do it. So, yeah.
1: Brilliant. So, I mean, There's two she- things buzzing around in my head right now. One is you became really good friends with Sylvia.
0: Mm-hmm. But I didn't know before Sophie had died, but, yeah, yeah. I was a little bit... Of a, me and my husband had set up a creative writing competition for... Um, Greater Manchester schools. We've done that together in Sophie's memory on the theme of difference and and done a big sort of like evening of the finalists and stuff and so we'd work very closely with sylvia for that as well so so yeah
1: brilliant can i take you to some of the big stories in coronation street we're going to go with the world's first transgender mm-hmm. soap character well
0: yeah we'll say, for we'll sake say it. of arguments yeah yeah <laughs>
1: how can i ask this question was that something that you were really aware of was could be deemed controversial at the time
0: yeah i absolutely knew that it could be controversial um, but I was absolutely up for it um, I mean like I said I was only 27 um, but I was I had fire in my belly <laughs> and I'd seen for myself because I was a big fan of like the big issue based sorts, like EastEnders and Brookie that had always done those things and, and I'd seen how things had changed because of them you know like yeah. characters with HIV Colin in EastEnders being the first openly gay character and, and that's what I wanted I always wanted to do that and um, and so when I got this, I thought, this is my chance to do that. I was slightly out of step with what Corrie wanted, because Corrie wanted it to be a joke storyline, I think, that I was going to be a li- in one in a line of disastrous dates for Roy, who I ended up marrying. Um,
1: Which would explain why you only ever thought that Haley was going to be a short-term yes, gig. Yeah,
0: right. absolutely. Right. And then but what they couldn't have anticipated was that this weird thing happened that just sometimes does is that there was like Real chemistry between um, the characters, real chemistry between me and David, who yeah. plays Roy, and um, and it just worked, and the public got behind it. So even the transgender pressure groups, who had been very cautious and very apprehensive about it in the first instance, sort of were like, "Oh no, this is actually, this is actually good. People are getting behind this relationship," and it went on to really seriously change things. You know, we were we were thanks in parliaments. When the gender recognition act came through in 2004 that was just after ryan Haley, had had the first um unofficial wedding um and then it became legal for us to get married and so we got legally married in the show then and and even at the very end you know they the storyline is the writers used it beautifully they gave me a beautiful long and tragic ending that not only covered the right to die issue and and started a real conversation in people's houses about that, um, which still rages on, it also raised massive awareness about pancreatic cancer, Mm -hmm. which was a cancer that had very little awareness about it and publicity around and very little funding, crucially. So as the storyline aired, it happened to coincide with a brilliant woman called Maggie Watts, who'd lost her husband to pancreatic cancer, setting up a petition online to try and uh, get a hearing in Parliament about the lack of funding for that particular kind of cancer. And I got behind that and we managed to get like an massive like, social media drive during the storyline and afterwards, 100,000 signatures. And so we went to Parliament and Maggie became a friend of mine and we went to Parliament and presented the case for that. So, so you know, really it's, it's not to be sniffed at the, the massive effect that soaps can have because what it is, it's like a, it's properly having people in your house and that's how you fight prejudice, do you know what I mean? If yeah. there's somebody you care about who's in your house five times a week, then you can't be prejudiced against them. No. You care about the person, yeah. not whatever it is that's attached to them.
1: This is by no means blowing your trumpet for you, OK? But
0: Oh, blow eh? <laughs>
1: You bring these situations to life in everybody's living room via the small screen and it makes it a talking point and it makes change and it makes something happen and the other thing i've noticed and and forgive me if i'm wrong but you're obviously delivering these messages to such a degree that it's become acknowledged and noticed and change has happened as a result of it and you've also been asked to be in quite a few instances patron of charities that are actually directly associated Mm -hmm. to the character parts that you've played does that make sense yeah yeah how do you feel about that
0: well that's i mean that's that's all I want, really. Do you know what I mean? So to be able to, to be able to marry the two things—doing a job that I absolutely love, but actually telling stories that um, are changing things, or, or at least starting conversations—that that's the engine that fuels me. Really, you know, it's like that—that's my my passion. And I've just been really, really lucky. I think there's like a there's a sort of feeling that I search out roles. To the like I did Broadchurch um, last year and Broadchurch I played a, a survivor of sexual violence a rape and got very involved in rape crisis during that period as well and I had to do a lot of interviews around that and I'm always really aware that when I'm playing a part like that I'm representing a group of people who've really been through something whether it's playing Sylvia playing Hayley playing Trish in Broadchurch but I don't it's not like I can seek those roles those roles come to me you know I don't have that much power that I'm just like right, somebody write me somebody write me something really meaningful for so that's like will change if you. It's like I just um I've just been dead dead lucky to do that, and I take the responsibility of it dead seriously because I, I really know that it's not just doing the acting job. It's the way you're talking to people. I mean, I did a play at the Royal Exchange called Wit a couple of years ago where I, I played someone who was dying of cancer, and unbelievably, a lot of people who came to see the play. I mean, of course, everybody knew someone had lost someone to cancer a lot of people had cancer who came to see it a lot of people were dying of cancer who came to see it which I found extraordinary considering the subject matter of the play but I knew that every day when I came off and into the bar that there would be people really wanting to talk to me about their experiences and mm-hmm. that and that is a massive part of the job you know and especially with something like Broadchurch I had to be really sure that I was doing it right so they had people on set who worked in rape crisis and who worked in sexual assault referral centres and who were very much there to keep me on right track and to and and, and with Chris who created the show as well you know I mean really a lot of it's the writing you know it's, yeah. it's I'm just like I'm just the face of that it starts at the writing it ends at the writing really about the the way that you tell a story and the way you choose to tell it and I've been really really lucky that I've worked with people who've got a sensibility that really with telling those stories really matters to them so but I don't think I'm unique in that at all I think that any actor playing a part like that would want to do the research and would want to know enough about it to be able to talk about it with a modicum of kind of respect and intelligence funnily enough I'm just about to start rehearsing Mother Courage at Royal Exchange which is quite an iconic role you know for women of a certain age and the uh, and I'm quite nervous about that. I mean, I'm incredibly nervous about it. Actually, I'm completely in denial <laughs> about it, to be honest. But it's a new version. So, like the the, the original version is like Bertolt Brecht, you know, and it's set in a Thirty Years War, and it's like it's about war and. You know, it's hardcore. There's songs in it, though. You know, there's a few laughs. Uh, but Anna Jordan, who's a, a brilliant writer, has done a new version of it that's going to be sort of set in the future. It's not like a kind of sort of dystopian future, as you can imagine, in Europe. And so even that, you know, it's like a classic, but it's a, it's a spin on it that I'll hopefully have something to say about the world and the movement of people and yeah. about capitalism, about the way that we make money out of war and out of violence. So again, you know, it's something... Yeah, I've been sent it, and I'm reading it. I'll do it, but it's got such bigger things to say about the world that it's it's exciting. I'm
1: gonna throw this into the mix. What attracted you to politics?
0: Um, well, I think I've just always been. Po- I mean, I hate politics to be honest. It's like frightens me to death. It's like people are always like. Do you think you're going to politics? I'm like, oh gosh, I can't think it. No, I really, really, I haven't got the skin for it. You know, I just I can't believe the level of abuse and you know that politicians get. And I think a lot of them really, really have gone into it because they want to do something good for the community, you know, yeah. and for the world, but I... Um,
1: could you sort of semi-put your head above the parapet, didn't you, from a po- yeah, from I a do. political...
0: Yeah, I, and I do, at some cost to myself. I find it very <laughs> nerve-wracking to do it, you know, uh, because, because, you know, we live in a culture where it's not done, you know, and, and we're, we're told constantly to shut up. And what's it got to do with you anyway? I mean, that's something that the actors get a lot whenever they say anything political. It's just like, one, what do you know about the world? Well, I'm like a person who lives in the world, you know, I'm a citizen first, you know, above anything else I do. And that if you have a voice, I think that you have a responsibility to use it for people who, who don't have that voice, you know, and. and I'm a socialist, I'm an absolute out and out, proud, flag-carrying socialist. And, and by that, really simply, I mean that I believe in a, a fairer society where we tax rich people and spread it out. That's it, you know. And and I grew up with that. I grew mm. up with parents who weren't a brand politician kinds at all, but were you know quietly socialist and but but really, really intrinsically brought us up with uh a belief that people were the same and that it was wrong to be prejudiced against people. I grew up in 70s like East Lancashire, you know, there was a lot of racial division and Mm -hmm. stuff and there was no time for that from them, you know, they were very very clear about that and about fairness and about kindness and about good manners and and that, set. and then my brother who's seven years older than me, he was a punk and so that really, really Influenced him and his politics all that's filtered through to me. I'm a product of all that and that's just continued really and the more I see of the world I'm mean, I find it really really hard now being on Twitter and seeing people that I like and respect Like insulting each other across the ether, you know, because it's become so divided And I, and I, I just try not to get embroiled in that and not to get affected by it and just to keep me aim um, true mm-hmm. And, um, and I run a little theatre company in Manchester called Tate Back and we do we do sort of scripting and nights about social and political events inspired by social because we don't want about Trump's inauguration and Brexit and austerity and and it's brilliant because so is, got, that, is that a fun thing you, it, it is fun it doesn't sound it does it it is fun <laughs> it's brilliant fun it's actually like the thing that makes me happiest in the world I think apart from my family it's like I, we, we get together and, and they're not all dry pieces at all we get brilliant writers we've Russell T Davis has written for us Tanika Gulp I mean we've had amazing people and we have these evenings and we put them on and people come and it's not like anybody's like, oh, my life's been changed. I was like a, I was a card-carrying fascist before I came and saw your little theatre yeah. company, and now I'm like, you know. Yeah. It's not like, of course it isn't, but what it is, it, it emboldens people because we live in such division and there's such emboldening and there's such confidence being given to people with really, really retrograde views, I think, you know, because Trump's in power and, and the following he has. It, it's emboldening people who before might have been a little bit more you know hidden in the views and i feel like we just need a bit of that too and so these evenings are coming together getting a bit fired up and having a laugh and being with people i mean people
1: call them like healing nights you know because yeah. we just like
0: we really feel afterwards like we're not alone
1: your we're drama teacher's coming out in you <laughs> yeah, yeah you're well, delivering your drama yeah, teacher yeah. aren't you you're yeah, well, making it, people believe that well exactly i feeling sounds.
0: like they've got a voice you know and, and feeling like they can use it and and we, you know, we've we've done loads of these evenings now, and they really, really are lovely. And and that, like I say, it gives me more happiness now because I suppose it's like in the Venn diagram, like politics and with a small p, and and art and culture and theatre it's like the bit in the middle and it completely occupies that
1: do you stay in touch with the Corrie mob
0: yeah I do I do but I mean they're so unbelievably busy and you forget that what a machine it is and they're not in town anymore they're in media city now they moved like about two weeks after I left actually so it's not like you can just wander in like you used to be able to when they were on Key Street you know you've got to go through security and do all that so I don't get down there as often as I'd like but yeah I'm still in touch with them all and actually one of my my great old friends from Accrington College, Connie, is in playing Sally's sister Gina now, so and as I say my husband writes it. So I've, I've still got all these connections with it as well, which is which is just lovely.
1: Who's the best actor you've ever worked with?
0: Oh that's really hard because I've worked with some fantastic actors. That's a really hard question to answer. Because sometimes <laughs> sorry, sorry it's not about, about how good they are, it's about I mean, you know. Like, Listen, see, you've had
1: a great relationship in Corrie with David. Oh
0: well, David's amazing. David's absolutely amazing, and we work in completely different ways, and it just works. So David is definitely up there. Ali King, who play. i mean, Sally as well. I, there's so many. Little, little Jenny McAlpine, who plays Fizz, just fantastic. But I suppose when you know when you did Broadchurch and you know, I sat opposite David and Olivia, you know they're really, really something else. And Jordy, who. She's just one of my favourite people in the world, who I worked with on Doctor Who recently as well, and she's just great. I mean, it'd be, it'd be easy for me to say, who I didn't think we're good, because people are amazing, you know, especially in a SOAP, because you don't realise how, how fast the turnover is. And when people who've been in profession for years come in and do like a little bit on it, like Steph Cole did or like Ian McKellen, they have this newfound respect for SOAP practice because you don't realise... Mm. Just the like level of material that you're going through every day, and also there's no help, there's no nice music or soft lighting or good editing. You know, it's like it's just all pretty much As it film is. it. Yeah, do it, and and that is uh, that's not to be underestimated. Yeah.
1: So the best the best option you're going to get is a second or a third take.
0: Oh yeah. Well, oh, if you get a third take, then you've really messed up. Do you know what I mean? You're like you're in trouble then. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Yeah? Thank you. Um, Thanks, Tim. What's your plans for the future? Have you got anything coming in? Well, the I'm
0: doing Mother Courage at the Royal Exchange. That starts in, fe- I start rehearsing in January. <laughs> it's really soon. And then I do it in, Is this uh, the one you're fearing? In fact, fe- it's really fearing, really <laughs> fearing. Yeah, yeah, very much out of my comfort zone, a lot of it. i doing that in February till March, and I've got a book coming out, which is really exciting. So I got um, asked to write a book by a Matthew in Drama at Bloomsbury. Um, we were working Diary for last year, it's part of a series. John Littlewood and Simon Stevens did them before and uh, So I wrote a diary from November 2016, which was the end of that crazy year of Brexit and everything, and goes through to November 2017. Right. And it takes him filming with Mike Lee on Peterloo, doing all the stuff I did with my theatre company, uh, the publicity for Broadchurch and the transmission of that, um and also the general election the inauguration of trump you know and the arena events so yeah so it's it's your world in
1: 12 months yeah
0: yeah and it was brilliant it was a brilliant thing to do It's now it's about to be published i feel really really frightened and exposed because i um you know things move very quickly and and you think oh god the things i've said and the things you know you know you just you do worry but i am I'm proud of it, and it made me it was brilliant actually, because it made me live really fully. Do you know? Do you know those nights when you're just like, oh, I can't be asked to quiet. I'm just going to stay in light and watch curry. I'm just okay. like, no, no, I've got my diary to write. I have to do something interesting to make myself a more like, cultural and like enriched. So it was—it was good. It was a really good year. So that, yeah. So that's coming out in January, and um, it's just called A Working Diary, Julia Dalsh And I've, um, I've written that all the proceeds of that are going to it's Emergency, which are. A brilliant organisation nationwide organisation that support young working class um, people uh, who want to go into the arts so it's like what what they say is they've created a, an old boys network for people who don't have one. So they like it's a mentoring scheme and they um, they match people up and it's absolutely brilliant. So so all the royalties are going to that. Brilliant. So so I feel a little bit less bad about sort of ruthlessly plugging it. So please go and buy it. <laughs> I think it'd be I think anyone from Manchester might enjoy it because it's so it's like a love song to Manchester. I realise when I read it back. Um, and also anybody who's, you know, vaguely interested in politics or theatre or might be wanting to go into the industry might get something out of it. And even Corrie fans. It's a bit sweary sometimes, but but I, I apologise for that in the introduction.
1: <laughs> finally, finally, you jumped on the stage after being in Corrie for so long and you found a live audience and that was, like, proper exhilarating and probably was 90% of the reason why you chose to walk away from the film camera and into, yeah, into the theatre. yeah. Theater. yeah would you return to soap? Well,
0: I don't think so, and, and, and I say that only because I've done it, you know, I've done it and I've done curry, you know, so it's like, and I played a part that I think I'll always be remembered for on that, so I think it'd be a bit weird if I just showed up in another one or something else, do you know? So, I, I, I mean, obviously, never say never about anything, but it's, 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 not on, it's not in my plan, it's not in my plan.
1: Finally, can I just say, thank you very much, you've obviously nailed everything you've touched. And good luck for the future.
0: Well, thank you, Terry. Tim to you. Thanks very Thanks much. Thanks very much. For happy days.
1: For amazing ways.
0: For people who care. For people who dare. For great opportunities. For
1: amazing communities.
0: For a hand up, not a handout. For you. For me. For everybody.
1: Forever Manchester. Let's do something extraordinary.
0: Join the movement, forevermanchester.com.